Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Very good morning to you, Rev. Um, lovely to be uh, Zooming in with you all in your hubs. I hope you're having a great time this morning. I'm sure you are. Um, just to say, I'm not trying to be as cool as Andy Cotulli with my hat. Just got a bit, a bit, of, bit of lockdown here going on um, and uh, the kids are uh, dead set against me shaving it off. So this is uh, currently, uh, this is currently what, 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 what we're doing with that. So just to say, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be cool, okay? Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, <clears throat> hope you're having a good time during Lent, praying and uh, fasting and growing in this area. It's, it feels, even though... We're not putting in lots of extra prayer meetings uh, as we have done at other times. It does definitely feel like we're in something together. We're doing something together and that's great. And I love the way that we're um, following through these different themes week on week. It just feels well paced, feels rich and uh, just real a real joy to be doing this together. Obviously, the first uh, we kicked off initially with the theme of Thanksgiving. And then last Sunday, Rich brought in the theme of um, listening to God and a great sermon from Moses at the burning bush. And then um, today, uh, we're going to start on the theme for this week of confession. And I wonder what comes to your mind as I say that word, because probably depending on where you've come from, it will trigger all kinds of different things. Maybe if you don't have a particularly religious background, you're thinking of criminals, you know, um, uh, under arrest, being interrogated and suddenly they confess all. It all comes out. Um, maybe if you've got a more religious background, maybe a Roman Catholic background, you're thinking of someone in a booth in a church building, uh, speaking to the priest, confessing their sins to the priest, bringing out their deepest, darkest, shameful secrets. Maybe if you're from a more Pentecostal background, you're thinking about positive confession, which is the idea that we take hold of the things that the Bible, that God says about us in the Bible and we continually speak them over ourselves, kind of affirming what God has said. And, or it could be anything, anything else. Um, so we're going to spend some time today understanding this thing and then dropping into the Exodus narrative to give an example of it. To be honest, we could have dropped in in many, many places throughout the story um, in, because there's something quite broad about the idea of, of confession. Um, but I hope that you'll find it helpful where we do, where we do drop in. So let me give you some examples uh, biblically of uh, where we find confession and it's essentially used in two different ways it's used as a, as a noun <clears throat> a thing a confession which we'll look at in a second and it's used as a verb when we confess something that we do so um if we're going to we're going to start by looking at hebrews chapter 10 verse um, 23 uh, where we are where the, where the writer to the hebrews he, he's exalting them um the writer to the hebrews is constantly exalting the listeners, uh, and he says this, so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So there he talks about this thing called the confession of our hope. Now, what is that? Well, the word confession or confess is two Greek words that come together. Um, homo, which means the same, and uh, logos, which means word message and so the idea with confess is that you are you say you're saying the same thing those two words same word so you're saying the same thing and you're saying the same thing as god and so 
When, when the writer to the Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, the confession of our hope, it's like, it's what God has said. And what has God said? Well, God has given us the gospel, the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that God has come to us in, in love and mercy and grace, and he's made a way for us to come back and be reconciled to him, reunited with him, with all of our sins washed away because of all that Jesus has done for us. It's the, it's the good news, it's the message. And so to hold fast to the confession is to hold fast to what God has spoken to us through Jesus, this amazing gospel message. It's holding on to the gospel. That's what it means. But there it's used as a kind of a noun, a thing. Uh, and then we have it um, as, a, as a verb. So if we look at um, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he says to, to those he's writing to, he says, um, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, there it is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there to confess is, is, is about confessing sin. But it's different from the Roman Catholic model. Uh, it might well involve confessing to one another, not to a priest in that, in that sense, but maybe to one another as, as believers. James talks about confessing your sins to one another. But it's also confessing directly to God because we have direct access to God through Jesus. So we can do that. And so confessing our sins to God means basically agreeing that those things that God says are wrong, those things that God says don't come from him and, and, and don't bring us any life um, and don't glorify him, that we agree and we say, yes, Lord, that you're absolutely right. Um, and I, and I want to give that up. I want to lay that at the cross. You know, I want to turn away from that. So we're agreeing with what God says about sin and saying, yes, Lord. And um, I, I'm, I'm aligning with you in that. And, and I'm acknowledging that that, that, that is true. I agree and I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. I want, to, I want to be rid of it because you say it's wrong. So it's, it's our way of agreeing with what God has said, that we confess our sin. But that's not the only confessing in the Bible. If we go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. So I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a, a whistle-stop tour of the Scriptures so you can get a sense of biblically how the word is used. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that if you confess with your mouth, not your sins this time, but that Jesus is Lord. So here what we see is, is that God the Father has said, Jesus is Lord. God has established his son as the king. God has exalted him to the highest place, given him the highest name. God has seated the son at his right hand uh, and has said, this is, this is my king. This is the king. Uh, the, he is Lord of all. He's Lord of lords and king of kings. And so if we confess that, we're agreeing with God. And actually the Bible says that's a key part of us being saved it's that we actually agree he is lord it's not me it's not any other belief system or philosophy or religious ideal it's him it's jesus it's about jesus he is lord and that confession and that sort of bowing the knee and submitting our heart and that simple faith yes you're the lord i follow you opens up the doorways um, for us to be saved praise god so there we're confessing gospel truth so we have confession as a thing as, a, as god's message and then we have um, as, a, as a verb, when we confess our sins and when we confess Jesus is Lord and we confess the truths of the gospel. That's really the idea that we have here in the Bible in terms of confession, confessing and how it works. So now let's drop into the Exodus story. Um, 
Obviously, last uh, week we were looking at Moses being called from the burning bush. From the, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a, in, a, in a bush that was on fire but wasn't being consumed. And this amazing interaction between the Lord and Moses where he's calling him and Moses is reticent and afraid. And just God's dealings with him and provision for him and giving him all that he needed to be able to obey him. And then in the following chapters, we have the plagues. Uh, that come upon Egypt as as they refuse, um, as they refuse to, to to give up the Israelites. They want them as their slaves. They are um, they are cheap, well, free labour, uh, and so they're living off of the oppression of their backs, and they don't want to get rid of them. It's interesting as we've been going through the um, the reading plan. I, I was fascinated just to uh, read in, in chapter four. This yeah, thus says the Lord: Israel is my firstborn. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, I will kill your firstborn son. And uh, just uh, I've never noticed that phrase there, that, that idea that the whole thing of the final plague where the firstborn sons were killed. It's God saying, you are destroying my firstborn. Israel is my firstborn and you are oppressing my firstborn and you are killing all of the firstborn males of my firstborn. I'm going to simply, I'm going to bring retribution upon you. Um... Uh, I'm okay, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm going to bring justice into this situation. You've done this, I will do this back to you. I will show you what it is like. Um, I've never I've never seen that connection. It's an amazing thing. So all these plagues come and Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart and won't let them go. And the final plague and the people of Israel after the Passover, they are released to go and they go with many riches. The Egyptians can't wait for them to leave. Give them all, you know, um, clothing and um, utensils and, and silver and gold and so they go off way down with all the riches they go through the red sea and as they come out of the red sea on the other side chapter 15 of exodus there's 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 this incredible moment where they come through they walk through this parted sea as on dry land it's it's a, an incredible picture of, of salvation that god makes a way where there isn't a way that it's totally supernatural that that being rescued out of the kingdom of darkness, being rescued out of our sins, being rescued out of oppression and shame and guilt. It's, it's something that God does for us. He totally makes a way for us through the cross of Jesus. And this is a picture of that. This way is made through an ocean and the oceans often represent uh, the judgment of God and God's, God parts away as, as, as Jesus himself takes the judgment of God in himself at the cross. For us, a way is made open where we can escape God's judgment. We can escape the wrath of God. We can escape um, God paying us back for the things we've done wrong because Christ died in our place. So it's a picture of that. So they come through, and I'm so excited. I knock the, page, knock the pages away. <laughs> and they come to it in, in chapter 15 of Exodus. Is we're going to read, um, because then the Egyptians try to pass through, but it's not... It's not um, they just think they can. Well, we, fine, we'll just go through and, and we'll attack you and, and, and we'll kill you. They try. They they take up pursuit. Pharaoh changes his mind again. They take up pursuit, and God says, "No, no, no, no. This this is this is this is a way that you walk by faith. You don't. You can't walk this way in the flesh. This is a way that you walk. This you. If you want to come through and be safe, it's a faith thing. And so the Egyptians are swallowed up. The Egyptian army is swallowed up in the sea. So um, Exodus chapter fifteen. And here's a song, okay, it's a song, but it's full of confession. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. 
the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord, or Yahweh, is his name. Now here they are confessing, they're singing back to God what God said, didn't he, to Moses. Last week he called Moses, he said, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're singing back to him. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God. They're agreeing with what God has said. When they say, the Lord is his name, Yahweh is his name. That's what the Lord had said to Moses. Moses says, well, if I'm going to go to Pharaoh, who should I say called me? The Lord, God says to him, I am who I am, Yahweh. That's my name. That's my covenant name. So what they're doing, I want you to see in this song, it's a confession. They are, they are agreeing with God. They are bringing these words to God that he has already spoken to them. And so, and, and it's so important that we understand that's what we're doing when we sing praises to the Lord. We are confessing truth that he has revealed to us in the scripture. And if we're not doing that, then we have to ask ourselves, what are we singing? We have to ask ourselves, why are we singing these things? Because that would be presumptuous to just make ideas up about God and sing them. Now what we're doing, we are responding to who he has revealed himself to be all through scripture and seeing ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ and the character of Jesus Christ who, who is revealed to us in scripture. We see uh, this is what it's like and our songs are formed out of scriptural truths where we are singing back to him. We are enjoying and delighting in who he is. We are saying, yes, this is, this is who you are and we hold fast. We hold fast to this confession. This matters to us. These truths have brought us life. This truth has set us free. This isn't just academic. This isn't just a set of propositions that we agree with intellectually. This is truth that has propelled us as we've trusted in the truth of the gospel. It's propelled us out of one kingdom and into another, out of slavery to sin, into slavery to righteousness, out of bondage to guilt and shame into liberty and freedom out of being not a people to being the people of God I mean it's absolutely extraordinary and that's why it's so powerful when we gather and we sing and we praise and we confess these truths together because we are proclaiming the very truth of God and it's it's heard it's heard it's heard on earth and it's heard in the heavens and it's the the truth of God who he is ringing out from the mouths of the redeemed from the mouths of those We've been saved. We'll read on. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And uh, uh, earlier on, um, it had been said, uh, it had been said to, to Moses in, in the earlier chapters, there's this great phrase, where God says to Moses, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand. And so that, there's that acknowledgement of that. And here they are singing about the hand of God, your right hand, O oh Lord, glorious in power. This is the mighty hand that finally compelled Pharaoh. Your right hand shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You send out your you send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods heap stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, "I will pursue. I will overtake." 
I will divide the spoil. My desire shall my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. They are extolling God's great power and his great might. It's a confession. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. We'll leave it there for now. But I want you to see the amazing and immense power of this and of, of confession and how it works. Now, it's really helpful to understand these two sides of confession as a verb, this confession of our sin and this confession of God's truth of, of the gospel. And I think if we hold these two things together, then when it comes to confession, we'll, 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 we'll hit the right spot. Here's what I mean. If all you ever confess is your sin and your brokenness and your weakness and your inability, that's all that you do. And there's a place for that. There's a place for that. There's, I, I, don't, I don't believe that it's uh, right or godly or biblical to just kind of jump to. I can do all things, you know, through Christ. The foundation that that is built on is I, I, need, I need all the help I can get. That's the foundation. The foundation is an awareness of our need, our total need for forgiveness, our total need for restoration, our total need for mercy and for grace. It's so right that we confess our sins when we first get saved it's so important that we do that and even as the holy spirit reminds us of things we've said and done that are wrong that we that we are as thorough as possible that we because what we're doing is we are looking to just shut all those doors spiritually that have given access to kind of the dark powers of guilt shame oppression slavery we're, we're shutting the doors on those things you know i want to say we need to search around but as the holy spirit brings things to mind we do all we can to Say, you know, confess to the Lord, repent, turn away, make reparation. We do this thoroughly. It's, it's getting off to a really good start in the Christian life. Um, but at the same time, as we, as at the same time, we're confessing Jesus is Lord. We don't, it's not just eyes on us, introspective. It's eyes on him. The backdrop, the context is we suddenly get it. We realise or, or we've gradually got it. We've realised Jesus loves me. Jesus came and died for me. Jesus took my sin. In his body on that tree so that I can be forgiven. That it's not that it's not that we have to pretend I haven't done anything wrong. I can just get it all out there knowing that the price has been paid for my sin. What a gospel. What a message. How encouraging is this? This is a great mighty gospel truth as we confess Jesus is Lord. That brings us such comfort because we realise if you're Lord that means you are the highest of all. And if you say you've forgiven me for my sins and you welcome me, then no one can undermine that. No one can overrule that. No one can cancel that out. No one can say anything about that that will undo that. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus came to undo the works of the devil. So quite the opposite. Nothing can undo what God does. That's what the Bible says. God says in the Bible, when I act, who can reverse it? It's a rhetorical question. No one. No one can reverse it. This is our God. This is our great king and so we and so this is two sides of this confession that we we admit we acknowledge our ongoing need for forgiveness we don't live prideful we don't live kind of self-sufficient we recognize no lord I, I need your blood on me every hour there's just you know every day there are so many ways that i fall short and i'm not talking about willful deliberate sin i'm just talking about you know just just the fact that you know there's so many so many ways that we that we're just not as christ-like 
as, 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 as the Lord would want us to be and as in our own hearts we want to be. And so we just live an honest life, keeping short accounts with God. Lord, I said that harshly. Please forgive me. Yeah. Or Lord, I, you know, I didn't reach out to that person then. I just, I just kind of thought of myself first and just self-preservation. And as a result, I sort of, pro- I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't love them well. And you say, Lord, please forgive me. It's how we live. As Christians, it's not morose. It's not, it's not that you're always looking at yourself, but as the Holy Spirit just convicts you, just, yes, Lord. So there's that. But then there's this wonder, this glory. We live in the confession, this mighty gospel that, yes, I can now do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I am in the vine. And as a result, I've been, Jesus being the vine, I've been appointed to bear loads of fruit for God, that, I, that, he, that the Holy Spirit has gifted me according to his will. So I'm a part of the, the body of Christ. And I've got something to bring. Well, these, these are great confessions. These are confessions of truth that we need to stand firm in and that we need to rejoice in and delight in. And so I'm going to, I just want to encourage us, church, over this week as we focus on confession, let's live in that place. Let's hold fast to the confession of our hope. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never confessed him as Lord, if you've never confessed your sin, what an opportunity you have, even today, even now. You might say, I don't have to build up to it. No, he's done all the work. As long as you mean it, you believe, you know, yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord. And I want to I leave my old way of life and just, just trust in him. Then I tell you, because he's done the work for you on the cross, because he's risen from the dead, um, you can become born again this very day. God bless you. Just call on the name of Jesus. Whoever calls in his name will be saved.